Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Jesus, we, we come to you now. We come to you now worn out by our week, beat up by so much of what's going on in this chaotic world overwhelmed at times but we come knowing that we're not defeated because of you you know without you Jesus we we know we'd be toast we know it'd be over but because of you we know we have life we have life abundant even in the midst of a pandemic because our life is rooted in you and so we declare the beauty of your name. We declare the power of your name. We declare that we have hope in your name, Jesus, and we thank you. We thank you that we can gather like this to worship you, to praise you, and then to seek you, to seek a word from you, to seek a touch from you, to seek your face, Jesus. We want to see you today. We want to know you this day. We, we, we want to experience you in all your fullness, Jesus. So come, be present in this place as we know you are. We're, we're longing for you. Our hearts need refreshing. Our hearts need direction. Our hearts need you. So we thank you that you are here, beckoning us to come to you. We're coming, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. If you are uh, comfortable, once you're seated um, and want to remove your mask, we want you to feel the freedom to do that. Uh, And uh, if you don't, that's okay, too, if you want to keep them on. Um, This morning, uh, normally I would kind of dive into the message, um, but we're going to do something just a little bit a little bit different this morning. Um, this past week, uh, like probably like you do, I get more email than I know what to do with. Um, and this was one of those weeks where lots of things come in. And a lot of the emails I get are from other kind of what I'll call well-known Christian leaders. And oftentimes they're sending, hey, we think your church ought to do this, or would you join us in that, or those kinds of things. And so when I get them, the first thing I ask, okay, is this for me? Lord, am I supposed to do something with this? And if I get, yeah, you're supposed to do something with this, then my next question is, is this for the church or is it just for like me and my household? And if it's for the church, you know, I'll, I'll bring it to you. Um, that one, that doesn't happen often. Oftentimes what I, what I hear in my spirit from the Lord is delete it and get on with your day. And so oftentimes I delete it. This week, um, one came in and I couldn't delete it. Uh, and so I had to stop and say, God, is this, is this just for me or is this, for a larger group, and uh, I felt like it was for the larger group. So this past week, I kind of put out a challenge um, on our in-house social media uh, realm, and the challenge was basically this. The call was to, um, was to pray, was to repent, and was to fast, uh, all to seek the face of the Lord and ask for his mercy on our nation as we approach uh, election day. And... So we're going to do that. We're going to take some time in our service this morning to, to just pray, to just go to God and say, God, we need you. 
Um, and here's what I've done. I've asked our elders uh, who were able to be here today to, uh, to, to join me uh, on stage in just a moment and to lead our time of prayer. And here's what I asked them to do. I asked them to just sit before the Lord and let the Lord guide them to a passage of Scripture to share with you and then that we would pray out of that, that passage. So I'm going to ask our elders, if, if you guys would begin making your, your way up here, I hope one of you have the microphone. Does somebody have the microphone? Is it there? It is there. I didn't see it over there a minute ago. So if you guys want to come on up, whichever one of you get up here first, grab the mic, and uh, we'll just figure out an order once you get here. Um, Dennis, since you got it, we're going to let you go first, and then Terry, if you'll follow, and then Scott... Um, if you'll close us out, and then I'll come behind, too, because I've got a passage to share, too. Good morning. Um, a verse I've been um, memorizing is Second Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Mm. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Great and mighty God, Abba, Father, you are the one and only God. You are our heavenly Father who loves us, who created us. We thank you, Lord, that you chose us, Lord Jesus, mm-hmm. and that we have the opportunity to serve you, Lord, and to fellowship with you and to communicate with you, Lord. Lord, our country's in such a mess, Lord Jesus, because we've created other gods. We serve ourselves. We do things our way, Lord. But help us, Lord, to return to you, Lord. Give us strength and wisdom, Lord, to use the tools that you've given us, Lord, your holy word and the Holy Spirit that indwells in us, Lord. Use us during this election time to, to choose godly leaders, Lord, that would help us to return to you, Lord. Use us as salt and light, Lord Jesus, to bring others to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Good morning. The scripture I selected was, man, we can see it. The scripture I selected was Psalms 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Join me as I pray. Lord Jesus, we pray for all believers to honor your word through their voting. Remind us of scriptures as we go to the polls so that we will uphold your standard of righteousness in this election. May we vote for leaders who will honor the laws of this land as put forth in the Constitution. May we vote for leaders who will uphold biblical family values and the sanctity of life. May we elect leaders who believe in freedom of religion and speech so that no one will be bound by a spirit of slavery. We pray for leaders who will make wise laws to help the poor, assist the weak, and encourage work. May we elect leaders who seek peace and compassion on immigration policies. Keep us mindful of your word so that we will come into agreement with your kingdom values and righteous rule. In the name of Jesus, we submit our prayers to you.
Good morning, everybody. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready for this election to be over. Uh, I hear that. And um, this morning, I want to come to you with the uh, Lord's words, uh, Paul's words in the book of Ephesians. And I'm going to go ahead and read verses uh, 31, 431 through 52. And I hope that this will uh, touch your hearts as you get ready for those of you that have not voted that it will touch your hearts as you get ready to vote and vote the way God wants us to vote. So here we go. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ saved us and loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Please bow your heads and join me in prayer. Lord, we come to you today um, with heavy but yet great and uh, passionate hearts for you and your word. We pray, Lord, that we would uh, use your word as a guidance for this election on November the 3rd. Never in my life, Lord, of 64 years have I seen people so adamantly opposed to each other from the extreme ends of our political spectrum. Let us, Lord, get back to where we can have discourse with one another, to learn to agree we disagree and smile and shake hands and still walk away. Lord, I pray that everyone will elect the kind of leaders that you desire in this one nation under God that you created, not man, but you created over 220 years ago. I pray this in your name. Amen. And I want to share with you from uh, the second chapter of the book of the prophet Joel. This is the end of verse 11. It says, For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Yet even now declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, and tear your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows? whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we come in that beautiful name of Jesus that we just sang about moments ago. We come, Lord, seeking you. And Father, we, we declare again this morning that you are sovereign. You're in control. You're, you're over all, Lord. We, we know that. We believe that. We trust that. But our nation is in great crisis, and we need, we need a fresh breath blown on us, God, from above. We need you, and so, God, I, I don't know whether this is, or just the tension of the moments, uh, or, God, whether right now you're, you're purging your church, pruning your church. God, if you are Please let us know because we know there's growth after that. Lord, we, we, we don't know if what's going on right now is just 
a clash of kingdoms. You're the kingdom of God versus all the kingdoms of man. Lord, we, we come declaring we don't know all that you're up to, but God, we trust that you're at work because your word tells us you are. And we come seeking you. We come pouring out our hearts because we need you. This nation needs you, God. We are broken. We are divided. We are suffering. And we need you. So, Father, we come with hearts that are broken. We come, God, weeping. We come fasting. We come praying, Lord, that you will hear our prayers and that you will heal Orlando, God. Lord, we know it was you who inspired the psalmist to write that even if the foundations are destroyed, what, what could the righteous do? And we know that the righteous can trust in you. And so we come this day, God, declaring again, no matter who is in the White House, we're trusting the one on the throne. It's you, O oh God. We're putting our trust in you. We're reminding ourselves once again of whose we are through the covenant we have with Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection. Thank you, Father. I pray now that as we open your word that you will use it, God, to draw our hearts to you. We want to know you, God. We want to experience you for who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I, I know some of you this this morning may have been the first moment that you heard uh, about a day being set aside for prayer and fasting, and it, it's not too late. Uh, you know, you said, well, I ate breakfast and I've already got lunch cooking. Well, you probably have a microwave. You can put it in later. Um, and uh, so I, I just want to encourage you to don't let just this moment be the time that you're seeking God in prayer for our nation. We need his mercy like I've never seen our nation need it before. And uh, he's good. And he longs to answer those prayers that we pray when we seek him uh, with whole hearts. Now, this morning, um, I want to do something very practical. Uh, this is going to be hopefully just a, a very kind of go, go try this as an experiment message. And we're, we're continuing in our 40 days of prayer journey. Uh, if you uh, haven't picked up uh, one of the, the guides, uh, we've got some more that came in. It's an incredible resource. It will outlast our 40-day journey. Uh, some great things in there and tools in there, and it will also help you get connected to uh, uh, Dr. Rick Warren's teaching online, uh, about 40 days that we're, we're tying our messages in with, and our small groups are meeting in homes, and uh, ha we're having some really good experiences, and I'm grateful to hear that. But I want to start by reading a passage of Scripture from Ephesians chapter 6, and it's Paul talking about prayer, and I want you to look for, because there's some rhythm going on here for prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, pray in the Spirit at all times, with all kinds of prayers, asking for everything you need. To do this, you must always be ready and never give up. Always pray for all God's people. Now, in that one verse, Paul gives some incredible instructions about prayer. And he also kind of points out there's some rhythms that you can pick up on all prayer at all times and all kinds of prayers, praying for everything, never giving up, always, always pray. 
There's this rhythm of prayer that, that Paul is pointing out here that I, I want us to help kind of step into today. And there, there are two things that I have found that help, help me find a good rhythm in, in my prayer life. Two habits for developing a, a great rhythm of prayer. And the first one that I found is this, is start your day talking to your father and don't hang up. Just don't, don't say amen. When you wake up in the morning and before your head leaves the pillow, your feet hit the floor, just begin talking to God and don't stop. Just don't, don't hang up. Just keep going. How many of you have ever been like on maybe a, a long drive with somebody, maybe your family or something like that? Maybe you're going cross country or multiple states and, you know, there's conversation and then, then there's silence. There's just some time where you're just driving along, nobody's saying anything. And my guess is that nobody, after they finished their last sentence, said, goodbye, see you later. It would be weird, you know. You just keep driving, and then when somebody picks the conversation back up, you, you just kind of go on with the conversation. Well, talking to God throughout your day can be like that. Just don't, don't hang up. Just know that you're going to have this ongoing conversation with God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul basically says the same thing to the uh, church at Thessalonica. He says, never stop praying. Don't, don't cease praying. Don't, don't hang up on me, God is saying. Let's, let's keep the conversation going. A second habit that I've found that helps kind of capture a great prayer rhythm is this. Make prayer appointments. Not hair appointments. I know some of you go get your hair done. But make prayer uh, uh, appointments. And this is, this is what I want us to focus on today. I want us to look at using the prayer that Jesus used as a guide to teach his disciples to pray. And think about developing a prayer habit. A way to kind of pray into the day. Now, um, if you've read you know, in, in your Bible, if you've ever read the book of Daniel, you know that Daniel developed a habit of praying, the Bible tells us three times a day. Daniel prayed in the morning, he prayed at midday, and he prayed at night. Um, we read here in, in, in Psalm chapter 119, it's going to come up on the screen, says this, this is what uh, King David did. He says, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. David was a man of prayer. We have a, an incredible number of prayers that, that David wrote in the book of Psalm, and, and David's saying, look, I developed this rhythm of praying seven times a day. And so here's what I want to do. I want to take David's kind of seven times a day model and overlay on top of that Jesus' model for prayer. When he told his disciples, here's how when you pray, because remember one of the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. And so Jesus gives a model for what prayer is, this, this guide, if you would. And Jesus didn't say, you know, when you pray, say these words. What he said was, this is how you should pray, not what you should pray. Now, I want us to go to what most affectionately gets called the Lord's Prayer. I don't call this the Lord's Prayer. For me, this is the disciples' prayer because Jesus used this to teach his disciples to pray. If you want to go to the Lord's Prayer, write this down, John 17. In John chapter 17, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, and while he's there, he's praying. Jesus, our Lord, is talking to his Father. That's, to me, that's the Lord's Prayer, John 17. 
The disciples' prayer is found most prominently in Matthew chapter 6 on the Sermon on the Mount. And and so what I want to do is I want to take that seven-day practice that David had, and I want to overlay it, the teachings of Jesus for his disciples as it relates to pray. And and I want this to be very, very practical as a way to just think about uh, a day to pray the Jesus way. Because if you could pray one day the Jesus way, you could pray every day that way. Your whole life could kind of pick up on this rhythm. So I want to start with what we think of as the start of our day, and that's when we wake up. You know, you kind of, kind of wake up. And you, I, I, I want to I call this first point on your day is get going with gratitude. Get going with gratitude. And I want you to see in just a minute the passage of Scripture that Jesus kind of starts in and how I want to overlay that. But this is, this is before your head leaves the pillow, before your feet hit the floor. Um, here's what you're doing. You're setting your tood. Y'all got a tood. I've, I've been exposed to some of your toods sometimes. Um, now, you get to decide what your tood is going to be the rest of that day. You could be grumpy. Anybody know grumpy in the morning? You know, groaning, griping, those kinds of things. Or you can face the day with gratitude. Now, here's what, here's what um, psychologists that have studied this tell us. That what you do in the first eight minutes of your day will set your attitude for the whole day. So whatever fuel you, you get up on is pretty much what your day is going to exist on. You're going to be burning that kind of fuel. So if you're, if you're fueling up in the morning grumpy and gripey and complaining, there's your day, baby. But if you would start your day with gratitude, and, and I think you probably have heard this, doctors tell us that the, the, the human emotion of gratitude actually has healing capacity. It, it, it's good for your soul, it's good for your body, it's good for your emotions. And so starting your day with gratitude for, to God is an incredible way to begin your day. And I think that's why Jesus said, when you pray, he told his disciples, when you start praying, Matthew chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, he says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven. Stop there. If you, if you needed something to be grateful for today, if you, if you showed up today and, and you just felt like, you know, life is miserable, you kind of got that Eeyore complex going on, um, and you, you just, you're, you're kind of stuck. The good news out of the disciples' prayer from Jesus is this. You can call God your Father. You don't have anything else in the world to be grateful for if because you've trusted Jesus, God, the Bible says God's your Father, you can call God your Father. You have fuel for gratitude for all eternity. But you've got to step into that. You've, you've, got, to, you've got to press into that. Now, what, what that means is for you to call God Father to be able to do that is you had to have trusted Jesus, his son, for your salvation. You've had to put your trust in his death, his burial, his resurrection for your salvation. That's the only way you can become a child of God. The Bible says when you trust Jesus, he gives you the right to become children of God. That's the only way. In fact, up until that moment, the Bible says not only are you not a child of God, you're actually an enemy of God's. It's only through Jesus that we can be made right with God. And when we do that, the Bible says he gives us the right to become children of God, and we can call him Father. 
And you should be so grateful to know that God is your father, that he loves you because he's consistent. He's always there. You will always be loved by God unconditionally. So we pray our father in heaven. It's the greatest thing in the world to have is God as your father. But his goodness doesn't stop there. Things for you to be grateful for. If you go on in in James chapter 1, James the half-brother of Jesus wrote these words inspired by the Holy Spirit in James 1. Every good gift, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God's not going to change on you. He's not going to be, he's not going to be you know, grumpy one moment and you know, filled with grace the next. God is going to be consistent. And realizing that ought to make you more grateful. But then realizing that God brings other good things into your life. He has good plans for you. And so you and I need to begin our day grateful. We need to begin our day thanking God. And so one of the things that we need to do is this every day. Is we need to take some moments to reflect on the goodness God's shown me and thank him. We need to be ready to reflect on the goodness that God has already shown you and thank you. In your 40 days of prayer guide on page 178, there starts an A to Z list. And in that A to Z list, you're being challenged to to, to find a, a blessing, something that you can thank God for, something that you can be grateful for, for every letter of the alphabet. I'm going to give you a hint. This will be a, an easy couple of them for you. It didn't work so well with me. But you can, you can thank God for your, um, you can be grateful for the people God's put in your life. My, my daughter messed me up because I was thinking, well, I got three grandkids. I could, you know, fill in three letters. Well, they all start with E. So I just get one letter three times, you know. Um, I started to use their middle name some, but anyway. The, uh, you get extra credit for E's in my house, I guess. Um, but you, you want to be grateful to God. You want to have that attitude all the time because it will be the fuel that your, your day can run on. A second point in your day, and it, it corresponds to the second phrase um, from the, the disciples' prayer, is this. Second point in your day, I'm just going to call it drive time, blessing of his name. Now, for you, it may be breakfast blessing of his name, but uh, a lot of people, it's drive time. So as you're driving to work, you can just be blessing his name. This is the next point on your, on, on your day. And Jesus modeled it this way in the prayer. He said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, when you pray that in the morning, our Father in heaven, what you're doing is you're connecting to the reality that you're loved unconditionally by God, the creator God. But when you pray this part of the prayer, hallowed be your name, you know what hallowed means? It means to give honor. It means to respect, to, to revere, to realize God's name is different from, from any other name. So you, when you say, how would be your name, it's now you expressing your love for, for God. The psalmist writes in Psalm 145, he says, Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Now some people you know, may, may wonder, what's that about? And I don't know if you know this, but uh, in the book of Psalms, over 80 times, it tells us to, to praise the name of the Lord. It tells us to give thanks to the name of the Lord. It tells us to exalt the name of the Lord. Why? Why do you think it does that? Because your name 
is your character. Your name is your bond. Your name is your reputation. How many of you have ever gone to a bank for a loan? Anybody ever done that other than me? Okay. You had to sign your name. And one of the things that the bank does is they do what's called a credit score on you to see if they'll give you a loan. If you come back with a bad credit score to the bank, you got a bad name because they link your name to your credit score, okay? God is coming saying about his name that his name is his character. It's his reputation. And quite frankly, his name are tied all the promises of God. There are over 7,000 promises that God makes in the scriptures, to, to, to his creation, over 7,000. And all of them are tied, connected to who he is, his character, his name. And God, God says, look, you can take any promise I make to the bank. You don't have to worry about banking with me. I've got, I got you covered here. And so as we're, as we're learning the, the names of God, we, we begin to understand who he is. And in, in our Bible, there are over a um, hundred different names that are translated from Hebrew and Greek words uh, that are, are titles for God. Now, last week, we, looked, we spent about the whole week looking at just one, Abba, Abba Father, Papa, Daddy. We get to call God. That's who God is to us. That's how Jesus taught us to seek our Father is on that, that intimate kind of level. But again, in the Bible, there are other names, uh, Je- Jehovah Rapha. Our God who heals. He's our, your God heals. You need to know that about him so that you can, you can go to him and ask. Uh, there's El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. Man, we need El Shaddai in our nation. We need to know that there's someone over and above politics, over and above presidents. The Lord God Almighty is our God. That's who we serve. You need to know that about him. Uh, other names of God that connect with who he is and, and promises. And prayer is based on knowing God. So the more you know God, the more relaxed you can be. The, the, the more you, you know God, the more confident you're going to be that no matter what you face, it's going to be okay. The more you know God, the less you'll worry. Because you, you know the one who is the Lord God Almighty. One of the things that I've discovered is that people who struggle with their own personal identity, who they are, where they're going, what their, their purpose are, they, 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 don't, they don't know God. Because knowing your creator, he connects you to his plans. You'll get to know yourself better as you know him. And so we, we, we want to connect to him. There, there are, in the New Testament, there are several times when Jesus says, I am, and he, he, he gives a, a list of who, who he is. He, he says, for instance, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And you kind of go, huh? What does it mean? Because the meaning is important. Because he's the beginning and the end. He's everything in between. He's all things. And you need to know that about, about, about Jesus. And so here's what we do. I, this is in your notes if you want to write this down. You get to know God's promises through God's names. That's how you get to know the promises of God is through the names of God. And when I review those names, it, 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 it helps so much. 
Um, the psalmist writes in Psalm chapter 9, verse 10, And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. The more of the names of God you know, the more your trust can grow. Your trust can grow in him. There are lots of resources. If you've never done a Bible study on the names of God, I encourage you to do that. Um, our church subscribes to something called Right Now Media, and if you're connected to River Bluff, you can have access to, um, to, to that, some great Bible teaching on there. Um, there's a study on Right Now Media that Tony Evans does on the names of God. Really great study. I, I strongly encourage you to do it if you've never done a study on the names of God because you get to know him and then you grow in your trust of him. So we start our day with gratitude, uh, experiencing the love that God has for us and we're grateful for that love and then we express our love to him by honoring his name, hallowing his name. And then the third point in our day that I want us to think about is kind of a morning break. A lot of places if you, you work, you get a little bit of a morning break after you've been there several hours and uh, in your morning break, here's what I want to encourage you to do, recalibrate. Recalibrate. Now, here's what you're recalibrating on because usually, in, in, when you kind of start your day in the morning at work, you can get swept up. And even if you're not working, if you're working at home, it can happen. You can just kind of get swept up in your day or distracted by lots of other things and never accomplish your purposes. And so, this is a great prayer, part of the prayer to pray, kind of in the mid morning. From Matthew chapter 6, verse, uh, verse 10, it says this Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is something we need to get in the habit of praying every day. Just kind of stopping and taking a deep breath in and setting new direction. You know, maybe, maybe you got lost in your day or maybe you've already lost your temper by that, that time of day or something kind of fell apart. And now you need to go back and pray, God, what, what matters most? What is, this, what is this all about? Jesus it's about your kingdom. Even at my job, it's about your kingdom. It's about your kingdom coming and your, your will being done. Now, I don't know if you think about this, but that's kind of a redundant statement because any time God's kingdom really comes somewhere, his will gets done. And any time his will actually gets done, his kingdom has shown up. So it's, it's, it's kind of a double thing. God, we want your will done. We, we want this done. And when, when God's kingdom comes, things change. And so here's what this is really about. This, this might be a word that connects more with you. It's the word agenda. Agenda. That's what that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's about your agenda. Are you working on your agenda or are you working on God's agenda? You know, which agenda are, are you working on? Well, let me ask this. Do you need God's agenda in your life? Do you need God's agenda in your family? Do you need God's agenda? Does our nation need to get back on God's agenda? Well, in every area we do. We, 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 we need that. And we need to be praying regularly, Abba, Father, let your kingdom come, your will be done. Somebody might say, well, why? Because it's always the right thing. See, we, we drift around in our humanity and, you know, one, one day the, the poles will swing over here, and then they'll swing back over here, and we can be wishy-washy as a nation. 
But the, the nations that are seeking the Lord and his agenda will always be doing the right thing. And so here's what we're talking about practically. You may want to write this down. We're talking about reprioritizing God's purposes and plans. We're talking about reprioritizing God's purposes and plans. I've got to recalibrate during my day. A little bit later, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking about what this can look like. And so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All this other stuff that you're, you're needing to get done will be, will be added to you. All these promises, they'll come. But they come as you're seeking first his name. God's saying your agenda's got to line up with my agenda. And when that happens, I'll help you get your work done. When your agenda lines up with my agenda, you, you, you feel like you don't have enough time, I'll show you how to find it. God says, when your agenda lines up with my agenda, you don't feel like you have enough energy or strength. I'll provide those things for you. You need to make a decision. I'll, I'll guide you to make the right decision. But you've got to be on my agenda and, and not your own. So it's putting God's agenda first by recalibrating in our day. A fourth point on, on our day and a fourth phrase that is tied to from the disciples' prayer is this. At noon, name all your needs. Noon is for naming needs. Now, if you eat lunch, you know, at, at noon, you can call it your lunch list if you want to. But it's, this is where you're, you're going to God with your needs. You're, and you're, you're just saying to God, give us this day our daily bread. And since you're talking about bread, it's a good idea to, to be thinking about things you need. In Jesus' day, when that statement was made, that's what bread represented. Bread represented your greatest need, because it's basically what sustained them when everything else around them was lost. If they didn't have bread, they would die. So bread here represents what you need. For, for in our culture, it might be money, resourcing. Um, it, you, you need relationships. You need people. You need health. You need, need those things. So we're talking about the things that sustain us. Now, as, as Dr. Warren pointed out in the last small group that I was a part of, the teaching that he did, Jesus, when he says this, he's talking about your needs, not your greeds. Most of us spend more time asking Jesus for our greeds, and here's why, because our wanter is broken. And what we need is for Jesus to fix our wanters, because then we can start getting back onto to his kingdom agenda. And so we go to God and saying, Jesus, I, I, I need this. I, I, I need this. You know, you remember um, when, when God's people were set free from captivity from 400 years of slavery in Egypt and God was taking them to the promised land, they had a need. And that need was for, for bread every day. And so God sent them that bread every day. What was it called? Manna, this holy, holy bready kind of stuff. Now, do you remember the problem with manna? Short shelf life, yeah. It would only last a day. Short shelf life for manna. Because God wanted them to be dependent on his need. Do you know what happened to the manna if they tried to keep it overnight? It rotted. It stunk. It was no good. Because God wanted them to depend on him day by day. That's why Jesus in the disciples' prayer, the model, he says, Pray this, God, give us this day our daily bread. 
give us, God, what we need today. Because, see, God, God wants you connected to him every day. And so Jesus didn't say pray, uh, God, give us what we need this week or for this whole month or for this whole year. Because God wants us to come back to him each day and say, in relationship, God, I, I got this need. God, I, I'm bringing my needs to you. I, 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 need, a, I need a touch from you, God. I need, I, need, I need help from you. God, I got this major project. I, I, need, I need you to, to, to help me with, God. God, I, I got a conflict that I need some resolution in. God, I got this meeting that's going to not be a good meeting. I'm going to need some wisdom, God. God, God I need. So you, you need a point in your day when you're presenting all of your needs to God. And not just, not just your needs. The, the, first, the first thing that you need to do on your list is present your needs. So there's kind of two things here, that two, two kind of lists to make. One is anything that you need, anything that you need. If, if you, it is not wrong to ask God for a new car. If your car is in your driveway on blocks and it no go, it's okay for you to ask God for a new car. I mean, it really is. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Will you start there instead of starting in your bank account and going, you know, to CarMax online or whatever? Just go to God and say, God, I need a car. God, you know I need a car. Will you help me, God? And wait a little bit. Don't rush out and make a decision because God may decide to do something that will blow you away. But if you don't go to him with your needs, you'll never know. You've got to take your your needs to God. One of the things I think that we're going to be most shocked by when we get to heaven is we're going to, we're going to walk into a room that's kind of like Joe Still's room. And there's going to be the stack of blessings over there. And I'm going to look and say, what's up with that? And whoever's escorting me into the room is going to say, well, those were things that God wanted to give you that you never asked for. You needed them, but you never asked for them. Because God's word says you do not have because you do not ask. God wants us asking. He wants us to connect with him at, at that level. So we need to do this. In John 14, 13, Jesus said, you can ask for anything in my name. You can go to Jesus with any need that you have. Not your greeds, but, but your needs. But at noon, don't just, don't just deal with your, your needs. You also need to be praying for the needs of everything. So you need to, to name out list out the needs of, of other people. If you've got family or friends who you know have needs, you need to be taking those to the Lord. I want you to notice this verse in 1 Samuel chapter 12. Samuel says this to the, the nation of Israel. He says, I will surely not stop praying for you because that would be sinning against the Lord. Did you know not, not praying for somebody that God has put in your life could be sinning against him. You ever had that, that moment when somebody's name or face pops into your mind? What do you do with it? You need to stop and pray for them. Because not praying for them, you could actually be sinning against God. One of the things that I count as a privilege and I love to do because I love you is I love to pray for you. But I also do it because I don't want to sin against God. I don't, I don't want to do that. And so Jesus, Jesus has this plan, and, and, and this plan of praying for our needs, I hope you notice, was kind of plural. It was communal. It was about community. It's not just for your needs. It's for the needs of God's people, for, for those that he's put in your life. 
that you would pray for them. That's called intercession when you're praying for somebody else. When you're praying for yourself, it's petitioning. It's interceding when you're praying for, for others. And Jesus calls us to do that. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter writes these words, Jesus has the power of God by which he gives us everything we need to live and to serve God. We have these things because we know him. Again, the communal nature of prayer, of, of having needs met uh, in, as kind of the family of God. And what that means is I don't only pray, I mean mine prayers. I pray, I pray for others. Now, we've, we've, we've kind of passed noon, and we're heading into later afternoon. And I don't know about you, but usually by late afternoon, I've already made several mistakes, probably ticked somebody off, probably been hurt by somebody else, you know, by late afternoon. And so this is a perfect time to plant this next point on, on our lives. And this is kind of point five, and it's afternoon's absolution. This is when I'm seeking absolute, this is when I'm, I'm going to God and I'm saying, Father, there's some junk I've picked up. There's some really dumb things that I've done. God, there's some places I sinned against you and I, I sinned against others. God, in this moment right now, search me. Search me, oh God. Search, search my heart. I'm giving you permission. There's just some things I need to, to, to admit that I need to confess to you. This is kind of like taking the garbage out. I don't know who's, who's, you know, how the division of labor works in your house, but in my house, the husband takes the kitchen garbage out to the big trash can every night. And when the husband forgets in the morning, it stinketh in our kitchen sometimes, okay? The same is true for your soul. If you are not regularly taking out the trash, the garbage, your soul will soon stinketh. You'll feel it. It will be poisoned. It will be toxic not only for you but for other people around you. So you go to God and you say, God, I, I, I need to deal with these things. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, Jesus tells us how we do this. We, 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 we make this a part of our prayer. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. Forgive us our sins as we have for, uh, forgiven those who have sinned against us. And so here's the point. You may want to write this down. When it comes to sin, I have to confess mine and I have to forgive others. I have to confess my sin and I have to uh, forgive others. And there, there are two great hopes here. One of them is I won't have to live with the guilt and shame of my own sin anymore. And the other is, I won't have to carry the burden of unforgiveness that will eventually lead to a root of bitterness. If you don't, if you don't unhook unforgiveness from your life pretty quickly, it will begin to grow tentacles into your soul. It becomes harder to displace, but it creates great pain for you. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but uh, I've heard that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping it kills somebody else. It will not. You have got to forgive. You've got to, you've got to release those things because the person that it kills is you. And then what it does is it will, it will rob you of, of relationships. It will steal joy from you. I, I don't know if you know this, but when you get to the end of Jesus' model prayer at verse 13, we're going to get there in a minute, he, he backtracks on this one issue, on unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. 